Hi, I'm Sam and welcome to the Subs Bench. This is the first episode of the sports section of Bench Pod, and I'm joined by one of my good friends, Nishal. How are you, Nish? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, so yeah, this is the first ever Bench Pod podcast, and as I said, this is the Subs Bench, which will cover the sporting world, whereas the Backbench, back excuse me, which will be coming out on Saturdays, will cover politics and current affairs. Uh, the Subs Bench will mainly focus on football, but the content will vary depending on who the guest is, what's happening in sports at the time. Uh, what sports are actually taking place, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of this is all new to me. Everything's a work in progress and I'm going to be learning as I go. So as time goes on, hopefully the production values and the podcast as a whole will improve. Uh, I appreciate any feedback on the podcast. And if you've got any feedback or questions or you're interested in being on the podcast, uh, always message me and let me know. Um, and to start with, as we're doing every podcast, we're going to go into the news section. So uh, a few of the headlines. Premier League to restart on Wednesday. Uh, the last Premier League match was played on the 9th of March. And teams are going to be playing on average, I think, every three days with five subs- five substitutions allowed. What are your thoughts on that, Nish? I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing football back. You know, it's been a long time. It's been three months, but I am also still worried because, you know, coronavirus isn't gone in the UK. We're still seeing deaths. We're still seeing uh, people breaking social distancing rules and lockdown rules, even if it's relaxed. So... However excited I am to see football come back and to see, you know, my team play again and see the whole league back in action, I am still worried that it may be too early and we're focusing too much on the financial gain of football rather than, you know, the health and safety of players, staff and fans. Yeah, I agree with that. There was also a debate around whether the tests being used could be going to a more useful place rather than doing a thousand tests every three or four days on Premier League staff and players when they could be going to frontline NHS staff who undoubtedly need them more. Um, that takes us into the second headline, which is that two uh, there have been two positive coronavirus tests out of 1,200 in the latest round of testing in the Premier League, one of which is a Norwich player who played against Spurs. Um, the player, people who came into contact with the, as of now, unnamed player, won't have to self-isolate according to government guidelines because they weren't in contact with him for uh, an extended amount of time, uh, which is which is good news, which means that n- uh, no more players will be on the sidelines as a result of this positive test. But it is it is concerning, like you said, that people are the threat of coronavirus hasn't gone away, and clearly, if players are still testing positive, first team players are still testing positive in every round of testing. That is something to worry about. Yeah, I mean, one one positive test is still one too many. And I think you can look at one positive. Uh, we're having less positive tests than a few weeks ago, where there was one week, I think we had six positive tests come out. Um, I think the question about whether they're wasted tests is always an important one. And, you know, absolutely they should be used for INHS staff, frontline, key workers. But I think these using, you know, a thousand tests a week, for example, for the Premier League, I think it's only excusable and only justifiable if all NHS staff and all key workers are still getting tested, yeah, yeah. if it's a case where they're both getting tested and they're both getting sufficient testing, you know, that's fine. Yeah, they're I both agree. getting what they need. But if it's a case of you're getting a thousand tests a week for footballers and a hundred tests a week for the NHS staff, mm. then there's a problem. That's when we need to, you know, work on that. Yeah. Uh, moving away from COVID-19 related news, Bayern Munich are one win away from their eighth straight Bundesliga title. Uh, not really news at this point. It's essentially <laughs> standard procedure. 
Um, there's there seems to be a little bit of a recurring theme. There's always a semi-title race in the Bundesliga. Dortmund push for a little bit of the season and then fall away towards the end. It becomes a bit of a formality for Bayern, wouldn't you say? It's a formality, but you have to appreciate how good Bayern have been. You know, they're, they're 17 games unbeaten now. They haven't lost a single game in 2020. They've won now 10 games in a row. And as you said, they're one win away from the Bundesliga title, an eighth straight title against Werder Bremen. If they beat them on Tuesday evening, they'll win the title. It's a formality, but I think it's a testament to how good Bayern Munich can be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not only this season, but this last decade, you know, they've been the best team yeah. in Germany by a mile. Not to, so, not to take anything yeah. away from Bayern Munich, but that is what hampers my enjoyment of the Bundesliga sometimes, knowing that you are going to get the same final result essentially every season. And it's a problem I feel like that could have been avoided. It doesn't really happen as much in, other, well, if you look at the French League, I guess, there. But if you look at somewhere like the Premier League, there hasn't been a level of dominance like Bayern Munich have in Germany because they are buying up all of players within that league. Mm. In, uh, if Manchester City decided they wanted to buy a lot of Liverpool's best players, you'd see repeated dominance from Manchester City. They sign literally, they'd sign literally everyone and they'd win the league likely eight years in a row like Bayern Munich. Um, them signing players from Borussia Dortmund's first team, it, while it's not like you can't do anything about it, it's not, there's no law against that. But it's business. It's, it's exactly business. it's business. If you want to win, you sign the best players. But that makes it a bit of a one-team league for me. Which I well, yes, it's a one-team league in a sense. But Bayern Munich won. They're about to win their eighth league in a row. But this season has been the best title race we've had in the last ten years. You know, from uh, the start of the season to the winter break, we had Borussia Mönchengladbach, RB Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund, and Bayern Munich all battling the titles. Bayern were fourth of a majority of the season so there has been a title race but yeah. but the difference is this season you know the first half of the season pretty bad for Bayern Munich Niko Kovac got uh, sacked they lost back-to-back games going into a winter break but they definitely deserve it because you know oh, they yeah. haven't lost they a single game it, yeah. yeah but they haven't lost a single game this this calendar year they've won 10 games in a row as I said so yes it's a one-team league in a sense but the quality of the Bundesliga is still brilliant you know you had Bayern Munich beat Chelsea in the Champions League and RB Leipzig beat Tottenham in the Champions League. So the quality is there and the quality is evident. But the Bundesliga, yes, there's dominance from Bayern Munich and yes, they're pretty much miles ahead of everyone else. But it doesn't mean it's not a good league. It's still a very good league. Yeah, oh, for absolutely. Me, one of the best in The best quality in of football in the Bundesliga is and has always been very, mm. uh, very high standard. It's just that because Bayern Munich are a level above that incredibly high standard is what mm. takes away some of the overall enjoyment for me. But watching the Bundesliga games themselves, as I said, high standard of football, competitive league outside of the team at the top. It is, and you also can't, sorry to button, you also can't forget that we're talking where the leaders in our league are 25 points clear. Yeah. Of course, we've had different that's champions. A, that's that's had... a rarity, obviously, in the Premier it's League. It's a though. rarity, of course, but it shows that you know, how much can we be talking about, oh, the Bundesliga is boring, it's so one-sided, oh, yeah. it's so I wouldn't, I wouldn't dominant agree by anyone, Munich. I wouldn't agree with anyone that said the Bundesliga was boring yeah. at all. But the Bayern's lead at the top is a quarter of what a Liverpool's league is. You've got to remember those levels and you've got to acknowledge that when you're debating whether the Bundesliga is one-sided or League A is one-sided or Serie A is one-sided. Uh, La Liga returned on Thursday. 
with Barcelona and Real Madrid both playing over the weekend and both winning to keep the gap at the top of the table to two points, uh, somewhere where there actually is a proper title race at the moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's good. Well, La Liga's back and I think the title race has been better than ever recently. I think Barcelona have always been the dominant team in recent years, especially, I think, um, in La Liga. Of course, Real Madrid won three Champions League in a row, but um, La Liga has been pretty much dominated by Barcelona for the last two, three years. It'll be interesting how they finish. Of course, they don't have any more games left against each other. I don't think they drew nil-nil in uh, La Clasico. Yeah. And, you know, now it's just about keep winning, not slipping up. Of course, both of them recorded very good wins, like you said. So it'll be very interesting to see who wins. I've got my money on Barcelona once again. No, I don't I, see I do them as well. flipping up too much. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang says that the ball is in the club's court in regards to his future at Arsenal. Uh, he, he said in an interview with Telefoot, I think it was, that there was uh, no, he has had no discussions recently with Arsenal and his contract expires in the summer of 2021. Um, personally, I think that is, if Aubameyang is to leave, that is something that will massively affect Arsenal. He's been winning points almost single-handedly for them this year. And it's not easy just to go out and get another world-class striker to replace someone like Aubameyang, even if he is... I think he's turning 31 in the next few days. Mm. Even if he is coming towards the end of his prime years, is he? he's not someone Arsenal want to lose. But especially at Arsenal's level right now, you know, they can sell Aubameyang for maybe 50, 60 million pounds. Yeah, exactly. What, what appeal do they have? You know, they're in the Europa League. They got knocked out of that. They're currently 7th, 8th, ninth in the league. Probably not even going to get European football for next season. And they don't have the same appeal or the same attraction that they did, you know, years ago under Arsene Wenger or under the Invincibles team or under the FA Cup winning team. They will struggle to replace Aubameyang. And yeah. I think even though they have Lacazette, a very good player, I think losing Aubameyang, like you said, you know, they've had Aubameyang this season and they've been, what, ninth? And they've been pretty dire this season. What would they be like without him? It's, you know, concerning for Arsenal fans. Yeah, I feel, feel like they may have no choice but to cash in on him at this point. Because if they don't get Champions League football, which it doesn't look like they're going to, I don't think he'll be content sitting around for one more year. But they're not going to get European football without Aubameyang. Exactly. You know, if you sell him, they're only going to decline because, as I said, how are they going to replace him? How are they going to cash in on him and get a better player? But with his contract expiring next year and him likely... Well, I don't want to say likely. I don't know. But him mm. potentially not signing a new contract, they might have no choice of... A, it depends what they think is more valuable, keeping him for that one season to get them into European football or to actually make some money off him to avoid him leaving for free. Well, they can make money off him by, you know, if he helps them get Champions League qualification, that's ultimately making money off that him is, because he's helped him, you know, get to the lucrative stage of a Champions League. But Would you, would you be not... right? If you was in their situation, would you be all right with losing Aubameyang on a free ne- next no, summer for I... that? But like, if you, like you say, would you... I, w- if... I wouldn't sell him full stop. I wouldn't sell him in the first place because he's too valuable. In an Arsenal team where they're in a transition phase, they haven't got as many world-class, top-class players. They cannot afford to lose a no, Aubameyang. I, I agree, I agree. So they'd probably want to keep him for next season. But then if he doesn't sign a new contract, he's going to walk out of the club for free. And I think letting a player go, player of his ability going for free is criminal. Of course it's criminal. But I mean, if he's if in that final season... 
let's say theoretically, it won't happen, but if theoretically in his last season, Arsenal win the league or Arsenal get back into the Champions League and he leaves on a free, it will balance up the financial situation. It will be a financially positive move. Sure, it's, you know, it would be costly to lose him on a free transfer, but they would have a prize money from a higher Premier League finish, yeah. Champions League spot, playing in the Champions League next season. They can use that money instead. And not to forget there are other players who they can get rid of, you know, Bern Leno, Socrates, even Alexandre Lacazette. Ozil's example. been rumoured to be leaving for about <laughs> yeah, well, well, years now. What, what money are they going to get out of Ozil? You know, he, he's made, a he, earns, player, he earns about 350 grand a week. They'd be saving a lot by true. getting rid of him. But who's who's going to take Meza Ozil on an honest, honest like that's you know, a that's a fair point. He, <laughs> he could go to Germany, but you know, he would he go to RB Leipzig or Borussia Dortmund? Probably not. Maybe no. go back to Werder Bremen, but they're battling relegation. So, would you really want to go from a top top six club, even if you're not playing, down to a mid-table Bundesliga club or even a Championship yeah. club? If you think about it, it's it's not theoretically possible. Championship club, Meza Özil. I couldn't see him at a championship club, but imagine if wow. imagine if Leeds United came knocking, for example, offering him first-team football, offering him huge amount of money, pushing for a, a promotion spot. Would he take that? Probably not, in my opinion. You know, no. why would you leave Arsenal when you're on? All I could that money? I could but see some, something like that happening, like similar to uh, Jean Moutinho signing for Wolves in the season where they got promoted, like an experienced midfielder signing for a club on the come up. But I I. Ozil going. Well, that, that's different. Didn't he come from from Sporting or something? I, I, I think it. I think it was Monaco. From Monaco, even. yeah. But that you remember, Monaco were not doing as well. No, they they were lost after their incredible season, their title-winning season. They lost all of their. Yeah, they lost their, Kylian Mbappe, Tia Marie Bakayoko. Um, they had Falcao, Bernardo Silva as well. Yeah, Bernardo Silva exactly. But you can't compare those two. You know, Monaco were in a completely different position. And they were in a top club, and it's not like Wolves were a bad club when Moutinho came in. But no, now, no, you're but as you were saying, they're, they're a club on the come up. They'd just been promoted. Everyone had high hopes for them, of course, but mm. also not not exactly lofty expectations for them. Yeah, of course. But with Urzel, for example, he's you know he's a World Cup winner. We can't forget that. He he doesn't seem like the sort of person who would go to the Championship. Thinking about it now, I think if he did go anywhere it would be either a move back to Spain, a move back to Germany, or even China or MLS or yeah, something like that. I'm thinking it's going to be one of those two. I think like maybe he'll stick around until his contract runs out at Arsenal. But he's and not been playing for... He's, he's not. How long? But he's, he seems... He's a he is talented. I don't think he's... he's Well, absolutely not at the level he used to be at. Mm. But it is, it is a shame to see someone like him not not playing regularly because he is actually a talented footballer. And if he's content with earning 350000 a week there and sitting on the bench, then can't complain. Like, that's fair. But, um, but the thing is, if you look at the pedigree of Arsenal players, he's up there with some of the best, you know, best decorated players at Arsenal with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, Alexandre Lacazette and Mesut Ozil. But the problem is he hasn't been playing. He doesn't have a match fitness, it appears so. He hasn't been scoring or assisting to the levels he was when he was at Real Madrid or starting at Arsenal for years. He hasn't been of that quality. So I think maybe he does need to move or he needs a resurrection. But even when Mikel Arteta came in uh, late last year, he, there hasn't been much of a change, has there? No. He's not been starting week in, week out. It's not been a radical change from Ozil under Unai Emery to Ozil under Mikel Arteta. Exactly. 
So it's a big dilemma. Do you keep him and try integrate him again, or do you sell him and try cash in? And the final headline I've got here is that uh, something that will please Nish as a Chelsea fan. Chelsea agreed deal to sign Timo Werner and also show interest in Bayer Leverkusen midfielder Kai Havertz. Yeah, I think they're both really exciting players. I've seen them play over season in the Bundesliga. Both have been fantastic. Timo Werner with 25 goals in the Bundesliga. The second highest tally behind Robert Lewandowski. Um, they've both been brilliant to watch this season. And the fact we're linked with, linked with not just Werner, but Havertz as well, is just remarkable. I think I'd love to see them both come in, even if it might cost us a bit. You know, We need those players. We need those world-class top European talents. But the only worry I have is about, you know, where do they fit in? With Timo Werner, if you put him up front, where does Tammy Abraham go? If you put Timo Werner on the left wing, why would you move a player who's the second highest goal scorer in the whole of Germany out onto the left? If you play a two-striker system, we're not going to see do that. You not, do you not see the possibility Chelsea of them playing together at all? Because I, I, on one hand, like, you can't turn down Timo Werner, but also you don't want to stunt, stunt a player's development like Tammy Abraham. You can't turn down Timo Werner, but if it means that Tammy Abraham, who's our top goal scorer this season, has huge potential, already has 15 goals in his first full debut season, and then that's all just disregarded, thrown away, because we've bought a new world-class striker. What was the point of developing youth players, giving him the opportunity and playing him? You know, we talk about a two-striker system, but we haven't played two strikers in a formation in two years, and we haven't used it regularly since the days of Jogba and Elka, who they've been compared to, but we're not going to see that. That's what I worry about with Havertz and think, Werner, where do we fit in? Do you not think it's something that Lampard could potentially introduce if he doesn't want to sacrifice one of his one of his strikers? He can play them both together. He can introduce it, but I don't, I don't see him playing two strikers. It's going to be one or the other. You know, for the last decade, more or less, we've always seen Chelsea play one striker, whether it's yeah. Diego Costa, Alvaro Morata... Um, Fernando Torres, Didier Jogba. I don't see him playing both of them. They could work brilliantly together. It could be an amazing partnership, but I I don't think it's realistic to expect Lampard yeah. to play both Werner and Tammy Abraham. I agree. Front. I don't think it's realistic either. Um, it's always good to have a backup option, especially if your backup option has scored 15 plus goals in his debut Premier League season. But also, if I was Lampard, I think at, initially it's a risk worth taking to play them both together. You can. It's a risk worth taking. Yeah, I don't. You can never really have but, too much firepower in one team, and team. Of course, of course. Timo Werner, right? It remains to be seen how he plays in the Premier League. He has been impressive during his years in the Bundesliga. He wasn't. He didn't stand out when he played against Spurs in the in the Champions League this year. But obviously, that's not representative of his entire career in the Bundesliga. But okay, there's no denying Werner's a great striker. He scores goals. He's a yeah, goal poacher. He's a good player. There's no denying that. But what we're saying is, and what the problem is, is about where does it leave Tammy Abraham? Maybe Lampard gives him a chance both up front. But then I I don't see it being a long-term solution. And it will result in, you know, Tammy Abraham playing the second fiddle to one of the best strikers in Europe. Sure, we'll have amazing options and amazing um, strike options. Mm-hmm. But if Tammy Abraham, after full season of playing... And after having, you know, three consecutive loans out um, at Aston Villa, Bristol City and Swansea, and he's just disregarded and never gets to be Chelsea's first choice striker again. It's harsh on what him. What was the point? 
it's harsh, but what was the yeah. point of playing him? What was the point of encouraging him, promoting him, Tam- Tammy Abraham, building him up in the youth team? Tammy Abraham is living proof that loans do work in football. Because mm. to be honest, I'd written him off at the start of the season. I thought he was at best a championship player. But I can see, I don't, I'm, I still don't rate him massively highly, but you can see he's got great potential. He's performing at, for a level at, for a top four club at the moment. And he's proof that sending a player, a young player to get, sending a young player out on loan to get experience actually works. It's not the people, clubs just aren't doing it for the sake of it. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had that loan dilemma for as long as Abramovich has been in. You know, we send players out on loan and they never get a chance. Lucas Piathon, Josh McEachran, Nathan Ake have been more recently. Um, with Tammy Abraham, of course he could be doing better. Of course he could be at a higher level. But, you know, as I've said, debut season, 22 years old. He scored 15 goals. He's our top goal scorer. Sure, he could have scored 20 or 30. But for a player like him to have more goals than the likes of Raheem Sterling, Harry Kane, to be Chelsea's top goal scorer this season, you know, that's something special. That's something we have to acknowledge. Yeah. And if he's scoring 15 goals a season at the age of 22, how will he be doing in his prime at 26, 27? Uh, that wraps up the new segment. Have you got any other noteworthy stories that you want to mention? Yeah, one that's broken recently about uh, Marcus Rashford, yes. a young young English player. He's done An quite well this legend. season. Legend, absolutely. And um, he's written a letter Minister. to all he's written a letter to all members of parliament asking the government to reserve, reverse their decision to retract and end free school meals throughout the summer. And he also did a really powerful interview on Monday morning with BBC Breakfast talking about his upbringing and how he lived on free school meals and how he struggled in Manchester as a kid. And it really puts into perspective and also shows, you know, you, we always talk about football and politics should never mix. But in this case, where you've got a Premier League footballer having to provide free school meals for the nation's children, yeah. it offers a huge amount of questions about what's the government not doing? Why is a footballer having to do this? Why are we even at this position in the first place? Uh, we're now going to move on to the main segment of the episode. And for the first episode, I thought we'd start with something controversial, something to cause a lot of debate. And that is... Uh, mine and Nish's top 10 players in the Premier League. So we've each uh, compiled a list of our top 10 players. We haven't seen each other's and we're just going to go, um, we're going to start from number 10, reveal each of our number 10s and go up from there. Um, Do you want to explain how we've chosen yeah, our top well, 10? Yeah, choosing 10 players in the Premier League and ranking them is really, really difficult. There's Most of my list is interchangeable. They could be mm. like, you could say that pff, number seven on my list could easily be number two. But I, uh, so I've chosen them on like who, if I, if I got a pick from two players, who would you take? Or if you, and it's based on overall ability, it's based on recent form. You've got to take everything into consideration here. Um, I'm going to start off by saying I had a few honorable mentions. I'll just list a few of them and then you can do yours quickly, Nish. Um, so I Hugmanson, my favourite player in the world, is an He's not, he's in, not it. in the list. No, I can I can no. do it. He's an honourable wow. mention. Uh Jamie Vardy, not not perform not playing for a top well, I guess Leicester are in the top four at the moment, but not one of the traditional top six teams. He's been performing at an incredible level for so long. He gets better with age. Um Raheem Sterling, 
I've wanted to put him in. He didn't no, make my list. No, you have not. You have not left Sterling out. I have out. left Sterling out. You have not left Raheem have, Sterling have, out. Um... I'm leaving. I'm leaving now. <laughs> That's the end of a podcast. I'm not. You left Raheem Sterling out of your top ten. Yeah, it was. Oh there's. It was close. Um, oh lord, <laughs> where would he have been then? Would he have been like eleventh or something? Yeah, around. I, I really wanted to put him in, but you would have put you put Raheem Sterling eleventh best player in the league. Yeah, because he hasn't been oh, as good. This he took it took him. Oh, listen, listen hey, I'll, I'll I'll give my reasons for it if you want. When he got to Manchester City, he wasn't he didn't hit the heights expected of him initially. It took him a while to settle because he was like sixteen. He was no, he hang was on, but nineteen, twenty, no, 15, when he he hit for expectations from when he was a 16 17 year old at liverpool and he came at man city and he's won what two premier league oh, titles you know already you, you might you, might be, you might be convincing you might be convincing me but he's no 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 you can't go back now this is this is how you're going out you're going out saying raheem <laughs> sterling is not i don't think i don't think that's i don't think that is in the english i don't think premier that league. is that controversial I think it is. I think that's ridiculous. Um, but he as was I was saying, he ones. didn't hit the heights expected of him when he hits when he came to City. Guardiola obviously molded him into an undoubtedly world class player. Wouldn't you agree? I yeah yes, but I, I, he I've had got nothing an incredible to say right season now. last. He had an incredible season last year, and then this is he just hasn't quite hit the same heights, you know. But that's, oh my word, that isn't that controversial. You're probably gonna have to take more of an issue with other things on my list. And my last honourable mention, which. You might not find that controversial, but I know some people will. Is Paul Pogba? Um, mm. He is undoubtedly one of the most naturally talented players in the league, but absolutely, he's, he's again hasn't hit the heights expected of him, and that's not all his fault. He came in with a ridiculous price tag, ridiculous expectations, and injuries have set him back as well. But even when he's been at his best, it's never been for a consistent amount of time. Pogba is one I won't argue with, especially this season. You know, he's been unlucky yeah. with injuries. Um, he hasn't played as much as he could have. I think he has been a good player and he's shown us that he's a fantastic midfielder. You know, look at um, the World Cup, look at Euro 2016, yeah. where he reached the final and won the World Cup in Russia. I think the problem in England is he started brilliantly, don't get me wrong, but the last few seasons, he's been struggling with injury. He hasn't been performing as well as he could. He has the talent, but maybe it's something about, you know, being with Jose Mourinho or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but he hasn't been at a level. But he's one that didn't even get into my honourable mentions, to be honest. So okay. I've got nothing to but, uh, blast you about as there. I, as I said, most of my honourable mentions, well, all of the honourable mentions could, for me, have got into the top 10. Uh, if you you got any honourable mentions? Yeah, I've got three honourable honorable mentions as well. And I think the same, they could have all been in the top 10. And I think all three of mine can be quite controversial. My first one's Alisson. At Liverpool, mm, okay. Um, brilliant goalkeeper. Don't get me wrong. And when I started my list, he was high up, and he was there. But in in my decision making, when I had two players, my thought process was which one would I prefer in my team? Which one would I want to have? Of course, I'd love a world class goalkeeper like Allison. Of course, he's a brilliant player. But I think, and yeah, part of it is you know it's harsh towards goalkeepers. Yeah. They don't get the recognition they deserve. They're never usually high in his list, but I just didn't, I didn't feel that he could be in that list as much. And he's also only been at two seasons. Um, another Liverpool player who's missed out, Roberto Firmino, mm. was one which I he left didn't, out. I I gave him a brief moment of consideration mm. because he is he is a good player, and he he is. Un, I personally think he's underrated by rival fans while he stand while he stands next to players like Sadio Mane and Mo Salah, but I, he didn't. 
really break into consideration for me. Definitely, he's a good player. I think he is underrated, but a fantastic striker. But um, I started my list by choosing players from certain clubs and whittling it down. Okay. And I think for Firmino, it was a case of the other strikers he's competing yeah. with, especially in the Premier yeah. League. And looking at, I think I have two strikers in my list. Looking at those three, they're all brilliant. All outstanding players who can have a shout. I have two strikers in my right. list. Okay. Actually, wait, no, no, sorry. I have three. Right. Forgive me. I do as well. Um, I think looking at my list, he just misses out. And my third honourable mention is the only Arsenal player to get anywhere near. Wow. Which, as we've discussed, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does not make my top 10. Wow. Great player. As we that is controversial. Part, I don't think that's as controversial. That is very controversial. That's not as controversial as Sterling. Okay. Absolutely not. I mean, he's been good, but... And obviously, he's Arsenal's star player this season, let's be honest, in the entire squad. But he doesn't make it for me. Okay. He doesn't compare to the levels of the players I'll go wow. through. But they're my Interesting. mentions. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll start off uh, with my number 10. Fairly controversial, and you might not agree with this one as well, even though you are a Chelsea fan. Uh, my number 10 is N'Golo Kante. Okay. Uh, he's... N'Golo Kante obviously is nowhere near the level he was 2016, 2017, that kind of year where he was the best defensive midfielder in the world. But since obviously when uh, Mauricio Sarri came in, he started playing further forward, which he does have the ability to do, which effect, which actually was one of the deciding factors of him getting on the list at all. Because if he has the ability to get forward, contribute to attack and still cover as much ground as he does and help out defensively, that that is he can do essentially everything you want from uh well i guess you could call him now a box-to-box midfielder like he hasn't always yeah, played somewhat of that. he's somewhat plays somewhat of that role but yeah my, my question for you is is the reason he's not higher because of his injuries is that playing a I role i guess on because yeah that has caused him to not play to the standard that has been previously expected mm. of him yeah but, yeah okay I yeah I I mean of course I love I love Kanto and I'll maybe I'll get to him later oh. if he's in my list oh. but my my number ten which it causes an interesting dynamic between us my number ten is actually Son Heung-min. Son made my top ten list and I don't know I expected you to have him and at least in the list if not top see, five top six he but, is he is my favorite player in the world. But I, when I was looking at some of the names on the list, I couldn't put him ahead of any of them. Watching Spurs on a regular basis, I like <laughs> he is a massively selfish player, which which isn't always a bad thing. He doesn't, he, but he's always yeah. looking to take take someone on or have a shot, even when it's not on. And he might be a selfish player, but compared to some others, yeah, nowhere we'll get, near. We'll get to much. some of them later, I'm sure. But he doesn't. He, he's also doesn't perform consistently at a world... I believe he is a world-class player, but he's not consistently performing at a world-class level as much as he should be. I think for me, you know, he's a, he's a brilliant player and I think he's by far been your best player of the season. You know, I think back oh, yeah. to some of his moments, like his goal against um, his goal against Burnley, just at first I didn't really kind of accept or think about it, but it, it was a ridiculous goal. He's He's got amazing talent, incredible pace. And I think partly he's underrated by yeah. other top six fans. And you always have a debate, oh, no one can hate Son, blah, blah, blah. And that kind of overshadows his actual talents and his qualities as football. I think 
he's been by far your best player of the season. I, th- I think that is that is debate. He's been incredible, but I think especially under who's, who's your best player being this season? I though? think under Mourinho, I'd have to give it to Lacelso because he has been absolutely. He's yeah, actually no, this season. Us. This season. This season. I. I'm not saying under Mourinho. I'm saying this season. Uh, I, you probably are right in giving it to Son. Um, yeah. Lacelso is probably next, even though he didn't really perform under Poch. Um, but I'm guessing the Celso isn't on your list. He's not on my list. He's a very talented wow. player, though, and I think he'll be a top 10 in, within the next couple of seasons. Really? Yeah. But not now, oh, not okay. now. I'll go to my okay. number nine, someone that you left out, and uh, it is who you mentioned in your honourable mentions. It's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Okay. Um, right. As we've, I've, basically, I've basically said earlier all that I need to say about Aubameyang, single-handedly winning points for Arsenal. He's always been... An, elite level player he was playing proving that mm. at Dortmund for ages and he's even even he uh, he won the golden boot last season tied with uh, Salah and Mane and I don't know what else I need to say otherwise I'll just be repeating myself about, but about I'll, I'll challenge you I'll challenge you on this why why does Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang who's never won the Premier League why is he above N'Golo Kante who's won two I'm put, it, I can't take in team achievements over individual ability like because it really i mean did you see how crucial kante was to both title wins though yeah i'm not i'm not denying that but it's also i've got to take into consideration how they're playing now as well it's like alexis sanchez only what two seasons ago ish was a top three player in the premier league and of course but he was an exceptional talent he was an exceptional talent but you could say but now he's no if he, even if he was playing in the Premier League he's nowhere near he's not even a top 10 player hmm. I can't just because Kante was playing at that level and has won two Premier Leagues I can't put him over Aubameyang on an individual on an individual ranking I think it's always difficult to compare players from different positions you know yeah. especially defensive midfielder that's, like that's what makes this list so difficult and player like Aubameyang that's what makes all lists difficult yeah. you know how do you compare a goalkeeper to a striker, a centre-back to a midfielder. It's difficult. But um, to go on to my number nine, and this is where I think we kind of cap off our debate about this man, N'Golo Kante is number nine for me. I think if we'd done this list last season, the season, but if we'd done this list in the previous three seasons, undoubtedly he would have been much higher, maybe top five. I think he's a brilliant player and he's been absolutely fantastic for us, you know, helping Mm -hmm. us win the Premier League under Antonio Conte, help us win the FA Cup. But unfortunately, injuries are starting to get better of him. You know, yeah, he's approaching 30 years old. Um, and because of that, you know, he's not been playing as much as Jorginho, Mateo Kovacic. But for me, he's still the best player in our Chelsea team. He's still the one I agree who's the best quality, the best status, the best accolades. Maybe he's not been the best performer this season. I completely acknowledge that. But if you look at a list of players and you had to pick one player who's you know, the best, the best in the world or one of the top ones in the world. It's got to be Kante. So, is he, is he of course, the, I don't want him to be higher. Is he the only Chelsea player to make your list? He is the only Chelsea player yeah. to make my list and he was the one I was debating whether to even make my list. Yeah, you know, I don't... To be really honest and blunt, I don't think there's another Chelsea player who can really argue has a really, you know, high stake mm. and a high claim to being in that list. You know, last season, of course, Aiden Hazard. And I was looking at previous lists and previous discussions, Hazard was always in our lists. Yeah, he was an incredible, he was an incredible player. And it's just how we played football. But in the current Chelsea team, we have good players, don't get me wrong, and we have a good squad. But in terms of individual talents, no one really 
supersedes or comes close to the level of Hazard. Yeah. So Kante is the only player, Chelsea player on my list, and I stand by that and I acknowledge that, you know. Um, I'm going to number eight, and I was really, really debating whether to put him ahead of Aubameyang, and I eventually did. I've changed it a lot of times, my list, but number eight, it's another one of your honourable mentions. Uh, Alisson, Liverpool goalkeeper. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So I, like you said, goalkeepers are hard done by in these kind of lists a lot of the time, but I just don't feel like I could ignore how good Alisson has been, partly because they've got a very good defence in front of him. But Mm. 21 clean sheets in your first season is pretty impressive, no matter who you are or who you're playing for. He has... 97 points as well. Exactly. And they still didn't win the league. And he's still got... He's, and he's still... I think he's got 10 clean sheets this season, despite missing a lot of time uh, after he got injured. He is undoubtedly an incredible goalkeeper and it's something Liverpool needed for ages because... Absolutely. No, no disrespect to Simon Mignolet, but he's he wasn't the, the kind of goalkeeper they wanted if they wanted to be performing at the level they are now. I think Alisson was almost the first world-class, top-class goalkeeper Liverpool had since, to be honest, someone like Jersey Dudek, you know? Yeah. I think, look at Simon Mignolet, um, Loris Karius, uh, I can't Pepe think Reina? of any You're going to disrespect Pepe, Reina, Pepe Reina like that. Well, Pepe Reina was a fantastic player, but if you look at prime Pepe Reina Liverpool compared to prime Alisson mm-hmm. Liverpool, it's a no-brainer. I think Alisson is the best goalkeeper Liverpool have had yeah. in... 10, 15 yeah. years, or, you know. Um, just... I don't, sorry, I don't blame you for putting him in your list. No. I think for me, it was just part longevity, part he hasn't won the league yet. He's probably going to, but I think I couldn't put him in just yet. Okay, if fair. he wins the league this season, there's a very fair stake, fair. but I'll, I'll give you that. My number eight, we were actually having this debate last night about whether I had a um, non-top six player in my list, and this is the only one who makes it, is one of your honourable mentions. I think you mentioned him, or one of your near misses, Jamie Vardy. Wow. He is number eight for me. Wow. It was a tough one to put in. Wow. But from when I first did my draft list, wow. he was there. He was there from the start. Number eight, Jamie Vardy. Yeah. I'm not sure watch about him that. Watch him this season. Watch his goal-scoring talent his instinct, his drive, see how he runs in the game, see how he's always in the right position, always scoring. Well, he's, he's a great striker, but I, I, you're taking... He's a great striker, You're but. taking him over Roberto Firmino, you're taking him over Hugman Son. For me, over Firmino is a hard You're taking one. him over Aubameyang? I mean, yes. <laughs> wow. I'd, I'd prefer a striker. I prefer a proven striker. You're forgetting that. You can't call Aubameyang an unproven striker. I'm not saying he's not unproven striker but what I'm saying is for Jamie Vardy he's won the Premier League he's also got more goals than Aubameyang this season he's on 19 in the league Aubameyang's on 17 does that not say enough he's that doesn't so I don't think it does say enough he's Vardy had to be in there he, this season in 16-17 when Leicester won the league and also a reminder he's above Son he's above your honourable mentions of Alisson Firmino Aubameyang He's won more Premier League titles than all of them combined. That, I, that's, yeah, I'm not taking that away from him. He's but won... Jamie, Jamie, something I, doesn't sit right with me about Jamie Vardy being I don't the eighth not. best player in the league. He's uh, he's been underrated for years. I agree. I think, and finally, finally this season, he's really been getting quality. Like, of course, he was getting recognition in sixteen, seventeen, but there was still the um, you know debate of 
this is just the one season wonder, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But he's proven himself in the Premier League. He has, he's he proven has. himself in Europe as well. Don't forget in the Champions League. He's proven himself on an international yeah. level. Okay. Jamie Vardy could not not be on my list. He's a brilliant striker. Well, okay, that one is controversial. <laughs> uh, you did get at me for not having Raheem Sterling and then put Jamie Vardy on your list. But um... <laughs> but I haven't finished my that list That is yet, true. And you haven't said Raheem Sterling yet, so I know he's going to be fairly high up. Um, my number seven, and this is where things got really difficult for me because these the players from seven, this is where seven up are really, really interchangeable. I've gone with mm. uh, Bernardo Silva at number seven. Ooh, that's a good shout. Very good shout. Um, I feel like calling Bernardo Silva the seventh best player in the league is harsh on Bernardo Silva because he's very, very good. Um, I think it was in his first season, 30, in all competitions, 13 goals, 14 assists, I think, which is good. He can mm. play as a forward, as a winger, deep-lying playmaker. He's the exactly the kind of player that fits right in with City and Guardiola's philosophy, and he makes a massive, massive difference. I've got no arguments against your pick, but I've that it's made me realise that's an honourable mention. Have you not got Bernardo somebody... Silva in your list? I... In in retrospect, in hindsight, oh, he should be. Oh my there. god! In hind, I won't. I won't lie to you. I completely forgot Bernardo Silva. That is absolutely shocking. When I was going through the teams, I completely. Well, I thought of David Silva to be fair, but Bernardo did not cross my mind. He's that is he does deserve to be in there. These are the type of yeah, fantastic we're not, we're opinions you get on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, Bernardo Silva, fantastic player. You know, he's he's been brilliant. You know, his the way he plays with the ball, the way he creates chances for Manchester City, and he's such a valuable asset to our team. You know, alongside alongside a team of David Silva, uh, Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez, and he's one of the standout yeah. players. He's one of the top ones. That is, but wow, I, that is... I will hold my hands up here. That's an interesting one to miss oh, out. Nish, mate. My number done? seven. If we go into my number seven. He could be much higher. He maybe should be much higher, but I've gone for Mohamed Salah Ooh. at number seven. Wow. Now, this is an interesting one. I think exactly the same for you. Looking at my top seven, they could be in any order. And while there would be debate, yeah. there wouldn't be anything saying, oh, that's an awful opinion. Yeah. He should be way higher. He should be way lower. Mohamed mm-hmm. Salah, brilliant player. He's won back-to-back golden boots. Amazing. Remarkable. Mm-hmm. Your point on greed, I think you mentioned with Son, oh. and I said there are other players. He's the one I've got in mind. He is Mohamed Salah. The he's a brilliant player, player in the league. He is. Oh, I, you know, I love him. I think he's a great player. You know, I love how he started at Basel. Didn't work out at Chelsea, unfortunately. Yeah. And now he's scoring, scoring for fun, and he's been crucial for Liverpool. But how many more goals could Liverpool have if Mohamed Salah passed? <laughs> <laughs> if Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah in particular, pass the ball every now and then. The amount of but times I, I watch him I think with Salah, he, don't he's clearly it's got like, the trust oh, of the manager because he can, he is one of those players who can dribble past, dribble past anyone. And he still scores. And he can create a chance of out of goals. nothing. And he, and he still scores a lot of goals. But... but Sam, you know when we're playing football, when we're, so we play football together for context. Yeah. When we're playing football and I'm playing with someone who never passes the ball, who doesn't square it to me, who doesn't, play into someone in a better position I hate it <laughs> they can be they can be amazing they can score a hat trick but I absolutely despise playing with it's someone. annoying but you, you can't pass it. it's but so I my reason for this is a spoiler but he is higher on this list for me but um, mm. he he still produces no matter how greedy he is he 
produces. Mm. 32 goals in his, not his debut season, his return to the Premier League, proving all yeah. his doubt is wrong. 32 goals, that's insane. It's insane. Anything above a 30 yeah. mark is insane. And I'm not saying his goal scoring, you know, there's a reason he's on my yeah. top 10. But I think part of the reason for me is, it's just, he could do more. Yeah, and of course, he's already that. at an amazing level. And he's already doing brilliantly. But yeah. the greed annoys me, I won't lie to you. And I think that with the whole of Liverpool's attack, especially in recent seasons, you know, they could score more goals. Um, I'll go on to number six. My number six is uh, another member of Liverpool's, Liverpool's attack, Sadio Mane. Okay. Um, he, he's, I don't know what else can you say about him. He, <laughs> he scored golden boot last season. Mm-hmm. Arguably outperformed, oh, I, I would say outperformed Salah last season. And this season. And this season, 100%. He's Liverpool's, he was... Liverpool's best attacker this season. There's an argument for him being, far. what, one of the best footballers in the world in the year 2019? Like, he... Absolutely one of the best African footballers. Yeah. I think he actually... I think he won the BBC African Footballer of the Year award. He's incredible. This year, and rightly so. He, you know, this season especially. He produces at such a high level on a regular basis. I mean, like, mm-hmm. Salah can have quiet games every now and then, but Sadio Mane is always going to do something to disrupt the opposition, create chances, score goals. And, and he always turns up. He always turns up. He really hit his stride for Liverpool last season. He was still performing before that, but he's become like mm. an elite level player last year. Yeah, and this season he's been unbelievable. He has, yeah. My number six, I think, I don't know if this is going to be controversial for you, debatable, but I've gone for Harry Kane and number six. And yeah, here's his thing. How are you going to disrespect Harry Kane? Here's the that? thing. Brilliant striker, wonderful player, brilliant goal scorer. You know, he won the golden boot. You'll have people argue, oh, he scored tappings and penalties. Who cares? He scored six goals in seven games of the World Cup and won the golden boot. There's nothing to take away from him there for me. Um, I think in terms of longevity, he's been very good these last few seasons. He's struggled with injuries, of course. He's had his August curse goal in the first month. And this season, of course, he's been very unlucky with injuries and he's not been at the level he could be, mainly because of injuries. I think that's what keeps him further down the list for me. Okay. But in terms of in terms of being one of the best strikers in the Premier League, absolutely. Um, in terms of being one of the best players in the Premier League, absolutely. And, you know, he can easily become the Premier League's all-time leading goal scorer. I'm not happy with that ranking. Um, really? I'll get to Harry, that's I'll, where you take I'll problem. get to Harry Kane later, but <sighs> putting him outside the top five, that's that's very very harsh. But we're talking about the interchangeable. We are. Players of one but to seven. You're still outside your top five. <laughs> you're going to be even more annoyed when you see one of the players he's below. Okay. I can't wait. Uh, my number five is I won't spend too long this one, but my number five is Mo Salah. We've already discussed him. The okay. reason he right. edges above Mane is probably because of his insane 32 goal Premier League season. I think he got mm. 50 in all competitions. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I think he is the more naturally talented out of the two of them, which is which is like Mane's he's he's quick, he's a good finisher, he knows how to disrupt. <laughs> he's he's well that's that, yes, that's Mane's really fast, that's fast. really underselling Sadio Mane there, but you know what I mean. Mo Salah is can create a chance out of nothing and he is he's, second Mane. I know I know, but I'm what I'm saying is that it's it's really hard to split them, which is why I I did have Mane mm. above Salah initially, but I was just like I feel like it's too harsh on Salah to put him below Mane. Like to, 
It is really that tough. That was a tough choice it for me tough, as well. Yeah, I deciding won't, between them. I won't spend too long on that one because we really talked about Mo Salah. Uh, who's your number five? Yeah, same with me. Ours is interchangeable. My number five was Sadio Mane. Okay. And we've discussed it. But I think, you know, when I had my list, who would I rather have, Mane or Salah? Yeah. It's an incredibly hard decision so because they're both, they're both incredible players. And it's like, what actually separates them? I think Mane's quick. That would be a great asset. Mane's I think quick. <laughs> um, they're both interchangeable in a whole list with each other, with how good they are at Liverpool. So I think he edges it for me because of his consistency, his amazing season this year and, you know, his pace. And I think he's more consistent and more more reliable for Liverpool. Salah can have games fair. where he doesn't perform as well. Fair, but that. as I said, both interchangeable, both can be there. Uh, my number four is one of the greatest strikers in Premier League history, Sergio Aguero. Oh, four. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um. Again, calling Sergio Aguero the fourth best player in the league is really harsh on him, in my opinion. Mm. He's an unbelievable striker. He does literally everything you want. He's nearing two hundred Premier League goals, which is insane. What? What, not to, what else? Not to mention that he's he's Manchester City's all time oh, yeah. goal scoring. He has he has been for the last I think year and a half, two yeah. years. And he's still scoring. He's been he's performing like at goals. He's been from performing at a level insane. where he could be compared to the best strikers in the world for mm. years. Honestly, years he's been SP. Yeah. Years he's been and performing. Years he's been turning up. There are three players. If you ask me to, if you ask me to pick, I would pick these three that I've got ahead of him. But I, I'd feel really bad about it because <laughs> Aguero is so good. But yeah, he's at number four for me. In terms of my number four, with my top three, mm. again, interchangeable, so hard to decide. My number four is the decision I was so angry with you, is Raheem Sterling. That is... He has to He has to be top five. There's no top debate f- about No, it. top five. There is a lot of debate oh, about being on. top five. Top ten. He's got to top be top ten five. Is an argument. I, top ten is argument. Top five is... He's that's, fantastic. He's great. He's like, amazing. Has he really proven that much that you could take him ahead of... Salah, Mane. I would rather even Aubameyang. I mean, okay. Even... The only flaw, the only flaw I can think of for Sterling is that he occasionally misses an easy chance, an open goal, a poor miss. He blazes it out from two yards out over the bar. But, but you know, each of these players have their flaws. That we've said Salah's greedy, Mane's greedy, um, yeah. Kane, Kane's injury prone. For Sterling, it would be his near misses, but that's the smallest critique i can find of him he's a fantastic player he is wonderful he's such a good footballer he's brought so much to manchester city he always scores he always (laughs) performs he's always there for manchester city they would be not they wouldn't be as good without i agree but fourth place is ridiculously high you left him I out. I did leave him out. That you is controversial. He could quite easily make my top 10. But there's... You're criticising me for putting him fourth. You did not even put That's... him on your oh, list. If, yeah, he, there's no way he's cracking my top five at all. Gotcha. But he, there's a shot for him to get into top. That. Anyway, well, if you have an opinion on that, uh, let us know. Tweet uh, tweet us at uh, BenchPod with Sam on Twitter and let us know if you think... Who's, who's more in the right here, me or Nish? Um, I'll... what between not putting in your top 10 well yeah I, I'd in... like to know I'd like to know where they would put Raheem Sterling if he and if he makes it into <sighs> the top 10 but um, I'll go on to my number 3 uh, for me the best defender in the world yeah Virgil van Dijk I can tell you now I've got done exactly okay, the same so... as you if there's going to be any defender one defender has to be yeah. him he is 
I think the thing about seeing him, sorry to interrupt for your pick, but we've gotten the same with yeah. greed for once. <laughs> the thing with <laughs> Virgil van Dijk, he just, there's not a flaw in his game. There is not a flaw I've, in his w- game. I watched him, I watched him play at Stamford Bridge in um, September when we lost to them. And I was watching him warm up. I was watching him play. I could not see anything he was doing wrong. He was huge. He won every aerial battle. He won every tackle. His positioning was perfect. His clearing was perfect. His every there's not a single flaw. He does with him. everything. To everything past. well. He's his positioning, his tackling. Nobody mm. was nobody dribbled past him for what was it forty games around that mark. Yeah, and everyone always and when when someone dribbles past him, it's like oh he's <laughs> awful, he's exposed. Well, well, no, that's not the case. Yeah. Like do you remember that clip of um. Nicholas Pepe dribbling past yeah, him. And, then he got... and everyone banged on about him. But if you watch a clip for another two seconds... But that, that's unreal because I, he was getting criticised for someone dribbling past him. He set that precedent. That's the standard, yeah, that's, honestly. That's, that's the expectations he's playing at. If someone dribbles past him, he gets criticised. Mm. No, that doesn't happen to any other defender in the world. And in terms of defenders in the world, I think he's up there in terms of status in his league and in the world with, you know, legendary defenders of the 21st century. Yeah. Carlos Puyol. Um, uh, who was in, in my mind? Philip Lahm, for example. And especially in Premier League defenders, you know, you can compare him to Vincent Company, Rio Ferdinand, even John Terry. I think he's a brilliant player. He deserves to be third. And the only reason he doesn't break into the top two would be one trophies and two, it's, you know, comparing forwards and defenders. It's so hard. Yeah. And you're naturally going to go for a forward because they're the ones who score exactly. goals and maybe they're not the ones who win games. But, you know, Van Dijk absolutely deserves to be third for me and you. Um, okay. My number two is where it's probably the most controversial aspect of someone actually on my list. I know it's going to be. It's, oh, it's Harry Kane. I can see you already have... How did I know you, How did I know you were going to put Harry see, Kane You already second. have an issue with that. Uh, I don't think you should. Uh, let, me, let me just... Give my case. Make for your get. Make your why case. Why I go. think not only is he the second best player in the league, I think he's the best striker in Don't the world. Say, no. <sighs> <laughs> that is oh. that is not a con- that is not that controversial. It's not that controversial. It's not, but, but I know I know why people don't. For a lot of rival fans, this is continuing. Lot of, this is continuing another debate we had. And yeah, it is. Uh, for for rival fans, uh, there's an argument to made when you see like Spurs on good runs without Kane, a lot of rival fans will say we're better without Kane. When watching him as well, he's more old-fashioned kind of striker. He's not quick. He's not, he doesn't really take players on that much. He's not old-fashioned. Well, in a sense, he is. He's not, you can't, if you can like call Aguero one of like the perfect modern forwards, he's not similar in that sense. Kane scores goals. He scores goals. That's what yeah. you need from a striker. But that's what I'm getting. Harry Kane will always give you goals. He's one of the, be- he's one of the best finishers Willie Bo, Willie Bo. Yes, he will. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to this point. He will always give you goals. So let's look at a Champions League final last year. He was he was injured. That's well. Like, well you you say he's always gonna give you goals. He's in play. He's okay. a play you need to rely on. Uh, yeah, he is. But you can't say that about. You can't. But we have to meet how bad the performance was in the final from Tottenham. It was. It was. And Harry Harry Kane's not completely responsible for that. No. Not at all. But he didn't perform. He didn't perform. But he neither did, neither did the other ten players on the pitch. Of course he didn't, but you can't. I I think Harry Kane, Kane Harry Kane does everything off. you want from a striker brilliantly. He's genuinely one of the best passers in the league as a centre forward, which is unheard of realistically. Okay, he's an incredible finisher, which no one will deny, and he's been doing it in a Tottenham team, which while we've been good recently, he when if if say you put Harry Kane in 
Manchester City's team with that kind of creativity or a team like Bayern Munich where Lewandowski has continuously fed the ball and he gets in great positions. If you put Harry Kane in one of those teams, he'd score even more than he does now, I think, playing for Tottenham. In, but his goals aren't translating to silverware. That is, like, you can't put pin your hopes on one player, unfortunately. But you need to have a goal-scored striker to win trophies oh, we, and we do, win though. silverware. We do, you build, if You do, but you're not winning trophies, That's the you? thing, because the team needs to... Sorry, what is it, the what team, is it 12 years? The, 12 years since your last trophy? <laughs> the, team, the team needs to be built around Harry Kane. Harry Kane's the centrepiece. He's mm. undoubtedly the best player in our team. That's not up for debate. He's the best player in your team, but the problem I have, and as I said, a debate we've had this last week about the best strike in the world. He's not the best strike in the world for me. Do you know where he is? Third. I can't. Third best strike in the world for me. I can't put him... I can't put him... I actually can't put him behind... Uh, who, are, who are you saying? Who's saying ahead of him, actually, before I say anything? Robert Lewandowski, number one. Yeah. Sergio Aguero, number two. See, I, I think Lewandowski is behind both Aguero and Kane. He's not. Because, he's not. Uh, li- listen, Lewandowski, oh. Lewandowski, I know he's he scores about a billion goals a season and he's won all these Bundesligas and he is undoubtedly a world-class striker and it is close. But he, What's your butt then? What is your butt? He plays in one of the best creative teams in the world and he he's no disrespect to him. He's a master of being in the right place at the right time and he can fashion a chance for himself. Aguero and Kane, both playing in the Premier League, arguably a generally higher standard of football in Bundesliga, even though that can be debated. I'd I'd pick them two ahead ahead of him, ahead of the ahead of Lewandowski. Lewandowski is you're quoting you're saying Lewandowski is not as good because his team is good. That is no, that is not what I'm saying. I'm just That's saying. That's what you're saying. What Kane does? Ridiculous. Lev, can Lev, can, absolutely can Lev, ridiculous. Harry Kane. Harry Kane gives you. He gives you hold up play. He gives you. Passing gives you tracking back. He gives you Lewandowski gives you trophies. Gives you range for, yeah, he does. But he plays for Bayern Munich, and and Kane plays for Tottenham. That's not. That, they're you still both top. They clubs are, in, but you cannot compare. Exactly. That's both, my point. They're still both. They're still both good clubs in their country. They are. However much I don't want to admit you're a good club, you are a good club. You are a top six club in your in England. Bayern Munich are a top four club in Germany. Yes, the levels are different, but just because Bayern Munich are better than Tottenham does not mean Lewandowski is any worse. I'm not, yeah, it's not a knock on Lewandowski for playing in a good team. But it team. is, you're But I'm, say, I'm saying if... You're saying he's the third best striker in the that's, world. That's harsh, again, that's harsh on Lewandowski, but I'm saying if you put, if you put, especially Harry Kane, for someone who does often rely on creativity, you've seen he's, he's we, when he was uh, playing with Ericsson, when Christian Ericsson was mm. in his prime, he was, it, and Deli Alli making runs to distract the defence. It was, that was our attack at its prime. And now we don't really have a creative player other than Lacelso, who tends to play a bit deeper. Harry Kane does rely on creativity a bit, especially as a slower target man kind of guy. If you put him in Bayern Munich, he's going to score a lot of goals. Or even in City's team. City have got an incredible creative. The only debate you can have in the striker rankings with Kane is whether he's above Aguero or not. They're the only two I see as really interchangeable. Lewandowski, there's there's no... discussing it there's no debate in it he's the best striker in the world i will say that with my chest uh, and is, it's true no, that's not i don't think so because i think you speak um, you speak as a tottenham fan remember i do i do speak as a tottenham step fan. aside but... step aside as a neutral football fan and you really are telling me you would rather have harry kane over robert Lewandowski I am, I am, the team. Yeah. I, as someone who watches harry kane every week he changes the he changes the way tottenham play everything every attack goes through him 
he's involved in some capacity. You can't say that about someone like Lewandowski. You're completely ignoring the fact that Lewandowski is just unreal. He is. He's incredible. Goals. You need goals. Yeah. And you're rejecting the prime source of goals in Germany, in Europe, in the world. Harry Kane offers a lot of goals and far more than Lord. that. Lord, does Lord, he not? So does Lewandowski. Lewandowski doesn't offer so Kane's passing or hold up play or tracking back or arguably leadership if you want to talk about that, those kind the of intangibles. The most important thing in a striker is goals. That is Lewandowski true. Lewandowski offers that and better If you Kane. wanted someone to score, score you a goal, just so go and score goal, you'd pick Robert Lewandowski. But overall, Absolutely. I'm taking Harry Kane. And If you wanted someone to score a goal for you, you'd pick Robert anyway, Lewandowski. We're getting... If you wanted someone to win a game for you, you'd pick Robert Lewandowski. No, if you wanted someone to do... win a title for you, okay. you'd pick Robert Lewandowski. Okay. Well, we'll leave it there. We will we'll go, leave it there. We're getting sidetracked here, so we're going to your... your... We'll, we'll ask Twitter We'll ask Twitter again. again. To just... My number two. My number two. You're, this is, I'm glad because it's going to annoy you, but this is also my honest opinion. Sergio Aguero. Okay. Number two. Note that he's uh, four places above Harry Kane. Not to show that there's a massive difference between them, that's just because of the quality of Van Dijk, Sterling and Mane. But if you're comparing the two strikers, Sergio Aguero, Harry Kane, who would I rather have in my team? Sergio Aguero by a country oh. mile. By a country mile. He is the striker I want. He scores goals from... His near post finishing is incredible. His long shots, his heading, his goal poaching, his positioning. I'm, I'm not... He's a complete striker. Harry and he's Kane at his is a prime, complete striker. And he's still got a few more years. I'm not going to knock how good Sergio Aguero is because he is generally one of my favourite players in the world. Who, mm. He's probably my favourite player that doesn't play for Tottenham. But I can't put him ahead of Kane for the reasons that I've said. But that being said, I think he is. I think he's the striker that can be compared to Kane. They are so close in terms of mm. ability. Have you? I think they're so close in terms of ability. But, but you've seen a lot of the debate, especially this season, is that everyone implies Aguero is well clear of Kane. Yeah, he's good. He's not well clear. He's, I think I, I can admit they're both fantastic strikers, but you can't say Aguero is so far clear right. of Kane because he. It's not criticizing his talent, but you shouldn't undermine Kane like that. They're both strikers, and as I've said in the striker debate, yeah. they're interchangeable. They go between each other, but Aguero has to be second yeah. for me. And I think at this point, our number ones are going to be the same. Just like, just before I get that, I just to see if I remember, did you have Sadio Mane on your list? Yeah, he was fifth. fifth. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, number one, I'll let you go say your number one. And... I think my number one is a no-brainer. You know, we whittled the players down. This This man is by far the best player in the league and he has been for the last few seasons Kevin De Bruyne that's who I've got as well is my number one I've got him I'm, I'm not surprised we've gone for the same I think there was a bit more dispute when you had players like um, Alexis Sanchez or Aiden Hazard in his prime but yeah. Kevin De Bruyne what he does is you know usually the list would be this player scores the most goals he's the best Kevin De Bruyne he scores incredible goals but his playing his playmaking watching him pass the football you just like you're just in awe. He's got of an unbelievable footballing brain. He he's unbelievable. His positioning and don't forget as well. This is a player who's number one, who's also been injured. Yeah, he's missed quite a lot of football through injury, exactly. but he's still so he's good, he's... so important, so outstanding. He's still number one. He's an incredible playmaker. He's got what I think seventeen assists this season in the Premier League. Not to mention he has been he injured has at some been, point. Yeah. He has been coming back from injury. He's. He can get for he scores goals. His pass, just watching his passing is, it's a sight to see. It's actually 
he's one of the players that I enjoy watching the most. Like I and I watch mm. Manchester City, I'm like, oh I actually And he's always one I regret De Bruyne play. And he's always one I regret that we let go. I mean, obviously he was a different level when he was at Chelsea yeah. to how he is now, but it's just, you know, when you see him now and you think we had him. We had this player. <laughs> that is and Jose Mourinho completely, I don't know, shot his, shot his confidence, damaged his style, whatever, but we had him. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. But Kevin De Bruyne, by far, best, best Premier League best player. Player, it's, Premier League. It's an honour. It's a privilege to watch him play. Um, That is our top 10 players in the league. There are a lot of controversial aspects there. And if I'm surprised we have two in common. Yeah. Only it was only our number one, number three, yeah. Van Dijk and De Bruyne. Um if you've got any thoughts on that or wanna tell us your own top ten, uh tweet or DM them to at Benchpod with Sam on Twitter. And I'll quickly go into the final segment, quick short segment called On Target or Off Target. I briefly briefly tweeted about that on uh on the Benchpod account. We're gonna rank, uh, discuss your unpopular opinions, and so one that I've got from my good friend Kieran at KJ Taylor on Twitter. Shout out to him. Um, he's he's replied and said that the Premier League restart is a mistake, and we did briefly cover that earlier about the controversy ar- around it. But have you got anything you want to say about that? And say whether it is that opinion is on target or off target. It's it's a really difficult one. I would say it is... I think the whole debate, we're forgetting we live in, in extremely unprecedented times, you know. We've been in lockdown for three months. We've had 41,000 people die in this country alone. The whole world is in an incredible financial and health crisis. I think, as I said earlier, I'm excited for football coming back, you know. I've missed watching Chelsea. I've missed watching the Premier League. And I will be watching the football. But I have a doubt. Maybe if it has a risk, but is this the right time to be bringing football back? You know, we've got kids aren't allowed back in school yet in full capacity. Um, We're not allowed to sit at our exams. Shops are only just opening. We still have to be social distancing. Is it really the right time for football to be returning? I think financially, as we've said, the Premier League needs to be back because of its financial gain, but it's a really difficult one. Yeah, I know it's it is on a on a purely personal, selfish basis. I really want the football to come back because mm. I've really missed football being on. Um, but again, as you've just said, is it worth the risk? And with the fact that, mm. I, as I mentioned earlier, loads of tests going to Premier League footballers who, on on the surface, don't really. Aren't, shouldn't really be a priority. That's something about that doesn't sit right with me. I think it's a, it's a mid, well, I think we share the same thoughts and hopefully all football fans do. There's the ethical side of us and there's the kind of just football yeah. side of us. Football fans, we want football back. You know, what football fan would say, I don't want, I, oh, the sport I love, I don't want to see it played. But as an ethical, as a human, people are still dying in this country. Exactly. People are still dying across the world. Is it really, can we really have people still dying? Every, okay, yes, the numbers are low. We had 36 deaths the other day, the lowest figure since lockdown began. Sure, that's low, but still, that's still 36, 36 people dying. Yeah, and my friend, um, Mushin, Mushin Mahmoud, Twitter, made the point, it's still 36 deaths, still 36 families 
36 funerals that have taken place. So I think from a moral standpoint, I it's mixed feelings, yeah. but you know, if football's on, you can't you can't resist Exactly. But I did see uh really the tweet that made me think quite a lot the other day when someone's saying that they don't miss the sport of football. They miss the atmosphere. They miss going to the pub. They miss going mm. to the stadium. They miss celebrating a goal. They do, they've been watched so... I can't remember who it was from, but they said they watched some Bundesliga games in the empty stadium and just couldn't get into it. Couldn't concentrate because the empty, the empty stadium combined with the fact that there was nothing really to get involved in. That, that, that put them off. I think... It's difficult behind closed doors, and I remember when I when we first started watching the Bundesliga uh, a month ago, behind closed doors, it was weird to get used to. But I I kind of accepted it, you know. We haven't seen live football in two months, and you're showing me a football a top class Bundesliga derby. I will watch it, and I, I've got used to it behind closed doors. Of course, it's not the same, you know. I completely relate. I miss meeting all my friends, uh, talking about football, meeting people before and after games talking to people and engaging that social side of it but just to see the game back in at all in any capacity it's really refreshing and it shows you how much it means to you and how much it plays a role in your life yeah you know um that is the end of the Subsbench podcast uh thank you so much to everyone who's made it this far and listened to this podcast uh thank you so much to nish for joining me yeah, my pleasure to come on. Glad to finally get a podcast started after years of nagging. Uh, well, uh, I'm glad to have got it started as well, to be honest. Um, if you've got any feedback or questions about the podcast, uh, you can tweet me or DM me at Benchpod with Sam on Twitter. Uh, Nish, have you got anything you want to plug quickly? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Nishal underscore SP and I I write myself so if you want to read any of my work oh, yeah. you can read at Go Nishal's and, blog yes. uh, nishalsp.wordpress.com I'd love you to read my stuff I write about football and politics so both topics you'll be seeing here on the bench book as well Okay, uh, thank you everyone for listening thank you for listening to the first episode of Bench Pod. <laughs>